podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Looking for a new career? Welcome to Do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAPE preparation and testing along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Take advantage of their November specials. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEWH HVACTrainingSC.com to inquire. Well, hello and welcome to Lakeside Drive. We are the number one Australian opinion on all things Formula One. Joining us today is our fearless leader and host, Mr. James Baldwin, who will steer this podcast like he's the chief air hostess on an intercontinental Ryanair flight. Whether he's the lead role in a musical theatre production or the wannabe pilot that knows everything about planes except how to fly them, I can assure you he will fly by the seat of the pe- seat of his pants while trying to maintain the integrity of our show. Introducing Freya. Clearly the brains and beauty of this outfit, our resident PhD psychologist that doesn't really tell us what she thinks, but what we need to hear. Coming to you all the way from the home of the offshore bank accounts, where tax fraud was invented and billions of your hard-earned goes missing, the Cayman Islands. And I'm Campy. I don't take myself too seriously, but I'll leave it up to you to make up your mind about me. I can assure you I sound like your car when it loses, loses its exhaust, and I talk more bullshit than Jay from in between us. I'm the self-proclaimed F1 prophet that has a better return than your super fun. Welcome to this episode of Lakeside Drive. This is the Dutch Grand Prix review. <laughs> And I'm joined by my friends and yours. <laughs> wow. Freya Brolsima, she can get herself together. She can't. Oh. Hello, Freya. Hello to you, Campy. Hello, mate. Whoa. How are you? Sorry, I can't hear you. I'm just rolling in my PhD Whoa. papers over here, which I don't have. <laughs> From the University of Thomas J. Camp. <laughs> PhD. Oh, goodness me. Wow, that is... That is quite simply the best thing I've ever heard on this podcast, Camp. You that yep. you that is in, impressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. How long did that take you to write? Uh, oh, 25, half an hour. Yeah, well, well done. Thank Genuinely, you. the best thing you've ever done on this podcast. Thank it's you. The most effort you've ever put into anything on this podcast too, and it shows. Welcome Imagine if to you myself. put in effort for everything else. It's taken five years well, to arrive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is, it is, this is just the best thing I've ever heard. Um, not only have we had quite simply the best Grand Prix of this season, as far as I'm concerned, that is the best opening to a podcast that we've had in the last five years. Uh, Freya, from all of your Dutch being just must be over the moon at this current point. I don't even know what I'm thinking anymore. James. I had thoughts. They are all gone, every single one of them. don't know whether I was going to tell you any of them or not, apparently, but uh, they're all gone. I'm somewhat uh, lost for words. It happens very rarely. I would like to clarify just that if APRA is listening, I do not have a PhD, don't claim to. However, I do have a master's. Anyway, uh, we'll get... we know they're listening. It was excellent. A shout out to was... the body of psychologists who listen to this. Yeah. Indeed. Um, it was 
excellent. It was excellent. I had a great morning with my stroop waffles and my coffee watching what was a very exciting race. It was so hectic at the start. And I kind of, I was trying to take some notes at the same time and I just basically threw my laptop out the window and started yelling <laughs> at the screen. It was fantastic. Loved it. Campy, this certainly has been the most action-packed Grand Prix it feels like, probably since Australia, which feels like an age ago. Yeah, yet nothing has changed. Ferrari still can't get strategy or pit stops right <laughs> the whole race. <laughs> oh, what an absolute, yeah, gr- <laughs> cracking race. That first 20 laps was just, or oh, up until the first safety car, felt like I was on the edge of my seat. It felt like I was watching a go-kart race with extremely fast cars. Yeah, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. That's a great description of Formula One. <laughs> yeah, <that's- laughs> Isn't that just Formula One? <laughs> Haven't you just described <laughs> Yeah, but the but the characteristics of the track and how small it is, it just feels like there's not enough room. So they're driving like you know you would on a go kart track and cutting off lines and taking people out. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it d- just all over the place, like grip to be found all over the racetrack, especially with this rain, no rain. Fernando Alonso just putting the car in places where no one else is brave enough to do it, except for. Oscar Piastri, it had to be said. Now, we have plenty to get through, listener, in this episode of Lakeside Drive. Let's start right at the very beginning and slightly new format for our race review episode. I've I've tried my best with the alliteration for this segment, but it's the LSD Legends Letters. This is all the people who have left us a review. Or if you want to send us an email, you can do that to hello at lakesidedrive.com.au. Send all of your facts, all of your feedback, whatever it is, uh, we'll read it out on the podcast. The first review comes from TAEM07, who says, A new fan, love this pod. It's a new to Formula One, but just loving it. Five stars. Stu23 Oz says, and this is for you, Campy, outstanding social commentary. Campy delivers <laughs> pearls of wisdom while saying it like it really is. Well done for authentic Aussie perspective of F1. Five stars. This is the encouragement he needs, by the way, just to keep going down his ridiculousness. Matthew J, trail runner, best grid on the podcast (laughs) and only improved by jumping onto the Discord during races. Plenty to laugh about in a season dominated by the Dutch national anthem. Five stars. We even had two live national anthems this weekend. PJ6777 says, outstanding. Great F1 podcast. Love the way that we try new things regularly and you love the Aussie banter. Thank you for that for five stars. Big old Pidgey says, simply the best. (laughs) What a brilliant and wonderful Could, podcast. That's got to be in a Tina Turner voice, though, surely. <laughs> yeah, you're not like, wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They say, with superb focus on Daniel Ricciardo and Oscar Piastri, fire emoji, five stars. And uh, Brattley, I just shortened your username to say it like that. Love it first. Listen, I met Freya at a motorsport event we both attended. I assume it was Indy. Uh, and she it was absolutely lovely. She was so easy to talk to. And that naturally translates to her podcast, your podcast now, Freya. She's great at making those around <laughs> her feel comfortable and seen. I really enjoyed her interview with IndyCar drivers Will Power and Scotty McLaughlin. Can't wait to dive into more episodes. Five stars. Hey, thank you so much for all of you for, for taking the time to either leave a rating on uh, Spotify or a full review on Apple Podcasts. As I said, if you want it to be read out on the podcast, you can send an email too if you are not connected to an Apple device. All right, it's time for our Discord comment of the week. And now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. So this one comes in after a comment that was made by old mate Karun Chandrock uh, <laughs> commenting that, of course, all the Brits would understand that 
we'd describe what it feels like as just normal rain out there. So I say, get going. To which Ross on the Discord responded, yes, I believe they invented Formula One and rain. (laughs) The Brits in this commentary were, it was just up there with one of the most British commentary. As soon as rain exists, they're the only ones on the planet who understand rain. By the way, have you met Queensland? (laughs) They understand a bit of flooding here and there, okay? Like, yeah, anyway, well done, Ross. You said what we were all thinking. (laughs) Yeah, I also like how Max Verstappen kept saying they made it hard with us with the rain as as if the FIA have now control (laughs) of the clouds. There's just a big big thing in Brixton and there's a cloud-making machine and they just shove it across the channel. Like, oh, it'll happen again in 30 minutes. We'll just send it out of our big rain factory here in London. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but there are all kinds of Discord legends, though, this week. I bet Campy's not done his homework here. But Freya, let's start with you. Who's been your favourite person on the Discord? My legend of the week goes to Rambler. And this was because he has taken through his actual understanding of the race and sport the F1 Profit title. Sorry, Cam, here. you're going to have to work to get that back. He has not proclaimed himself to be taking this title, but he made some great calls on the Discord throughout this race. One in particular, which was he when he said, if Lawson pulls into Claire, it's time for Ferrari to retire that car. And literally within 15 seconds, they said, yep, time to retire, <laughs> retire after they <laughs> after Lawson had overtaken him. So well done, Rambler. The crown is now yours. You've got now you've got to hold on to it. Mm. So if there's any other F1 profits out there, your time could be could be now. Campy, who did you find on the Discord well, that was having a good crack this weekend? Oh, I think Ross was excellent this weekend. He's done two comments for me as well. Uh, Freya put up an article that uh, James Vowles did, likening the sport a bit to NFL. We need to change some things up. But Ross's comments was, James Vowles could tell me the earth is flat and I'd be on board. And he also <laughs> said... <laughs> And he also said another one that said, that BBC great. commentators, I think we can claim Kylie Minogue now. Jeez. Anyway. On, what are they on? On fire. And can I just say, Karun this weekend, in the midst of the rain break last night, literally goes, not a person has left uh, – left the stands throughout this whole weather. Literally there was about 30 people with backpacks on getting out of the stands, leaving the race, as he said it. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty woeful. We'll come to uh, Tommy T's television broadcast review in just a moment. Uh, My legend is Court, uh, and that's because she shared or was willing to share her OzGP pre-sale ticket code. Uh, Tickets are, or the pre-sale, if you've been randomly selected, you got that email. I believe pre-sale starts today. Um, I cannot believe we're already talking about the Australian Grand Prix ticket sales, even though it's the end of August. Uh, but there you go. Thank you to you. If you want to be considered to be a legend of Discord, just all you got to do is be involved. There are so many, so many wonderful people there. It's a great community over on our Discord server. If you want to join, you can find the link in the show notes or just go to our website. <laughs> Tommy T's television broadcast review in memorandum of uh, Fearless Voldemort. Right. So, firstly, Dutch national anthem 
sounds bloody incredible with someone singing it on the podium. I am here to enforce that every single national anthem must be sung. Well, in fact, whoever sung the national anthem for Max Verstappen, because he's going to win for the rest of the year, Formula One need to fly her around the world to sing every time because I even got goosebumps listening to that. Uh, And then Andre Ryu leading an orchestra to play with bloody opera. It was just incredible. Freya, you can have a 10 out of 10 for the, for me for the national anthem because it was just awe-inspiring, and even though it's the Dutch everything. Do you know my favourite part actually about this weekend, despite, despite, besides our discord, was actually um, my dad messaged me saying, did you know that that Dutch Formula One driver has won the Grand Prix. This <laughs> like he knows what I'm into. He, he knows. He, 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 knows <laughs> he knows that I like the sport and it has some sort of concept that I talk to you guys about it occasionally. But I like, you know, he doesn't, you know, wouldn't have a clue what is going on in motorsport in any category, any time of the year until this comes on and I get a message saying, did you see this? Yes, Dad, I saw that. <laughs> Thank you, Hank. Um, Thanks, Dad, for being but, a part uh, of my life yeah. and making an effort. I know. He's so into it. Really supportive. It's wonderful. But, uh, no, it was actually really interesting as well listening to um, Max afterwards saying how much he got goosebumps, which I think was really nice because we Mm. are getting a feeling that he's kind of just going through the motions with his races. And right from the start with that um, national anthem, I thought it was excellent as well, James. I thought they were real kind of performers they I mean Andre is an absolute star yeah but you can see how much he just loves the crowd and he works it and I thought that whole whole start was pretty cool and I would say for anybody Dutch there there were a few of them um they would have had goosebumps <laughs> as well so yeah look I'm gonna give it a kind of an eight out of ten to nine approaching on an eight and a half I think the only thing that would have been better is that because they were doing that kind of that techno classic jam which I love but I could only hear one at a time and I think it was meant to be and something that worked together. Anyway, so if you, they'd nailed that, it would have been a 10 from me. Campy, what do you think as uh, our musical resident genius? Excellent. Strange bunch of the Dutchies, but I'll tell you what, they pulled it off. <laughs> they pulled it off. The, cr- the organisation in the crowd and those stands, oh, geez, I just you would never get oh, that. Oh, yes. You would never flags. see that in Australia. I was super impressed. Didn't see a lot of flares this weekend either too. So that was... Uh, Yes, Great everyone result. was concerned Great for their Everyone's yeah. obviously thinking about their health. Obviously you were right, Freya, and I was wrong. So, uh, no. Wouldn't be the first time. I think <laughs> I think, I think, think maybe these fans are aware that this track, if there was going to be a track taken off the calendar, it could possibly be this one, and they are doing everything in their power to keep it. And I'll tell you what, if they keep putting on shows like that every, uh, every year, this will be a Grand Prix that will go down in history and will be here in 50 years' time. Yeah, I really have to take back what I said in terms of it not being an interesting racetrack. This yes. is, and obviously weather plays a big part, but oh my goodness, I just was not expecting the results that we had in this. But that's because all of our predictions, apart from, well, no, apart from all of us predicting Verstappen winning, well done us, uh, <laughs> were rubbish, in fact. Verstappen was the only correct thing for all three of us for the podium. Uh, And I was so close with the front row. No, it wasn't because Piastri was so far behind. Who was closest for signs, I think? Anyway, let's just read out. So Campy, 
How do you feel about your predictions? Here's your front row was Verstappen and Sainz. Your podium was Verstappen, Hamilton and Perez. And 10th was DR. We haven't spoken about Daniel yet. We will get there. Obviously, that was a bit of impossibility. Insert strong wrist joke here. That's it. That's your whole. That's your whole feedback point. Good. Freya. My reaction is terrible for podcasting. But, uh, for those who are watching, you can see me cover my face in. Freya despair. recoiled well away from the camera Ooh. and the microphone. Uh, yeah, from the podium point of view, though, you were pretty far off. Yeah, well, that's what happens when rain comes. Yeah, mm, fun profit, hey? At least self-proclaimed, uh, Freya. Your front row was Hamilton and Leclerc. Uh, <laughs> podium low was Verstappen, Russell, Piastri, 10th being Sonoda. Uh, well, if AlphaTauri pit him like they, sh- they should have done, he probably would have been 10th. I mean, put it this way, if you're only as good as your last prediction, none of us get to talk about <laughs> Formula 1 ever again. So it was, look, to be fair, if, if Mercedes had been better with their strategy, I think Hamilton could have been on the podium, maybe not Hamilton or Russell could have been on the podium. So they had the pace but they just kind of stuffed it all up and then the rest of it, oh, what did I say? Oh, yeah, Sonoda the 10th. Yeah, look, no good. <laughs> well, that's uh, the summary. Yes, Verstappen and Piastri was my front row. Verstappen, Piastri, signs. At least signs, I mean, Ferrari were rubbish again, but signs uh, was the fastest of the two Ferraris and 10th Bottas, but Bottas was in 14th. So equally <laughs> behind Liam Lawson. Oh, dear. All right, team by team analysis. We've got heaps to get through. Let's start. Uh, right at the very back of the pack, Campy, Alfa Romeo. It was a tale of Joe being really white, quite up the front and then not up the front at all. Bottas just seeming to be on the wrong tyres, both of them medium over the soft tyre. Uh, Bottas qualified 19th, finished 15th. Uh, Joe qualified 16th and then crashed. Yeah, look, great, great for Joe to drive in the top three for all of, what, five laps and have a commanding position. But... Uh... He needs to do a bit of work for his contract next year moving forward. Uh, it's not that he's not capable as a driver and he's performing really well against a seasoned consummate professional in Valtteri Bottas, but, yeah, he's just not getting the headlines that he should be create that you need to create in order to stay in this sport and progress up the grid. You look at what Oscar's done this year. He's getting the race results and the big headlines that people are talking about. He hasn't done that, so I think he deserves a drive next year, but it was good to see. Unfortunately for them, that car, it's got a Ferrari engine in it. The Ferrari is not, wasn't great this weekend. And I think we saw particularly Haas and, uh, and Alfa Romeo not perform very well. So, and I didn't see a lot of them on track other than, you know, I was just, but Valtteri should be doing better for, better than this in these conditions. And with his experience, you would think that. In a race where there's so much jeopardy, use the Tommy T word, where things can happen and you see these massive assaults up the grid, he just didn't do it for whatever reason. And look, I, I don't, I don't, I don't blame him for that. The car might just be a piece of shit in the rain too, so that's just unfortunate. But yeah, look, they're a backmarker, aren't they? And it's a shame to see. Frey, it's the first time that we've heard Joe not being in contention really for the seat for next year on the broadcast, as in, well, his seat's up. So, you know, at the moment he really needs to put in the in the work. Do you think that 
he has an opportunity to retain this Alfa Romeo seat or do you think the Carlos Sainz brigade is coming to take it from him? I think he'll probably stay in it purely because the team is kind of in no man's land at the moment. It feels like they're in this strange waiting um, zone, I suppose, between now and 2026 where they've got new sponsors coming in next year. They've got a whole new situation with new regulations um, as, as we've discussed a few times. So I don't see them kind of suddenly throwing in a new driver next year. I think they'll probably stick to what they know because quite honestly, what else are they really going to do? It's just, it's a bit of a bizarre situation for the whole team at the moment. It just, like I said, it just kind of feels like they're in no man's land. But I think what was what was interesting with, with Joe was that he was the first to pit and then by lap six was sitting in second position, which did actually bring out one of the near winners of the Discord comment of the week, which was something along the lines of you need to get him an oxygen mask because he's never been this high, <laughs> um, which was also excellent. Apologies. I don't remember who said that. But, um, uh, but you know, it was, just, it was kind of sad to watch. It could have been one of his highest finishes um, of the year, but it, it all kind of just came crashing down. But that also could have happened to anyone, right? We saw Hamilton go straight in turn one once that rain hit again. Perez had a moment. Like that more experienced drivers than him were struggling in those conditions as well. I think just that his his was a bigger incident. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't see them making any changes next year just because it doesn't make any sense given the situation the team's in at the moment. Yeah, Valtteri Bottas 14th, Joe DNFing. Let's look at Haas now. Uh, sorry, I should say Alfa Romeo, by the way, are in ninth in the Constructors' Championship on nine points. Haas, Hulkenberg finishing 12th, Magnussen finishing in 16th. Look, this is a team that we've said quite often, Campy, it should be a lot better than it currently is. Uh, Magnussen had a brand new power unit, a brand new Ferrari power unit in for this weekend and was showing some pace early on, but it seems that as the races go on towards the tail end, they can't just sort it out. Surely at some point soon, this team needs to make the decision to go away from being buying a parts team from Ferrari and start to design their own cars like every other Formula One team. Yeah, look, we know that this team has had struggles in terms of their infrastructure uh, at their uh, their base. They're not playing on the same field as everybody else. So I can understand why they're behind. K-Mag put himself in the right position. That's all these drivers can do this week. Uh, Every week. They need to put themselves in a position. We know the car's fast over one lap, so make qualifying your target. This weekend we had a race where, you know, there was rain in the race and he projected himself up the grid by making the right right calls at the right time and he showed a hell of a lot of racecraft and speed, you know, when the track was drying. So I don't mind him dropping back the way he's doing because the car's not performing as good as the people around him. But look how look how hard he was driving these guys and just the lines he was using and stuff. So I think it was a good weekend for Haas. They're not they're not in the points every week. If they can be in the points for half the race or the first 25 laps or whatever it is, that is just an excellent result. Remember a safety car came out for them too, which meant that the gaps they had on a whole lot of people brought the whole field back together. So that was disadvantageous for them as well. So, yeah, I think, you know, yeah, whatever I said there, someone can put that in the Discord of the campyisms because that was a disaster. But uh, yeah, look, we keep having the same conversation about Haas. They perform really well, and then they get in the race and they drop back. So K Mag probably needs to not be moving under braking and oh, yes. warnings for dangerous driving, oh. especially in front of Albon, 
by the way, who mm. is somebody who just every week I love more and more. So mm. please, none of that, Magnuson. Rookies, I'll give you a pass to if that happens, but KMAG can't be doing that type of thing. Yeah, that was uh, was scary to watch. Uh, let's keep going. Let's talk about Alpha Tauri. Firstly, let's talk about Daniel Ricciardo. Campy, your initial thoughts watching him Ugh. crash into the wall? Ugh, of course this happened. He's finally back in the sport. It's what our podcast has been pinning its hopes and dreams on. <laughs> and then he breaks his wrist. Oh, what a what a shame. I, it's an unfortunate for him because I can I can really see how how it happened. You know, he came, he was came that is a blind corner that turn three or four, whatever one they want to call it. And because of the Oscar crash, he didn't really have a choice. So it was either for him crash into Oscar or just put it into the wall. Now he took his hand off the steering wheel when he hit the wall, but as it apparently as it as the 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 force feedback came through and smashed his wrist, it broke one of the metacarpals. So I presume that must have been on his on his pinky, so one of the outside ones. Bit of a shame. Um, he'll be back. I, I think he'll miss Monza, but he'll be back for the race after that. That's what Horner was talking about, but he's not going to rush back. And you know what? It's I don't think it's actually a bad thing for the sport because <clears throat> Liam Lawson got to go and all the commentary online was, you know, if you weren't a fan of Danny Rick coming back, it was, oh, Liam Lawson deserves the sport in this chance, uh, deserves a chance in this sport. So for him to get a shot, that's awesome. It ticks all the boxes. Do I want him there? Absolutely not. Do I want Danny Rick back? Absolutely. But it just, yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to wait another three races for it to happen. Yeah, well, he has gone to Spain, Freya, to see the surgeon that Lance Stroll saw to get it sorted out. I think he had his broken wrist, so a worse injury to racing within 11 days or something. So uh, they've sought out the person who can do that the fastest. Uh, to get it back sorted out, but uh, I do not like Australian on Australian crime, but I would have rather him smash into the side of a McLaren and then smash into the wall in retrospect. Yeah, when he said uh, I either was going to hit McLaren or hit the wall, everyone's like, McLaren. Daniel, why did you speed up when you saw it? Exactly. Exactly. I also like how like how we've all become metacarpal experts. Like I'm pretty sure that was probably the most Googled word yeah. on uh, whenever it was, Friday. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, that was just absolute heartbreak. But, you know, it's just it's another opportunity for somebody else who a lot of people say, you know, does he deserve a spot? We'll see. And he's got two weekends to see to show what he's got. Um, so it will be interesting to see. He did get a penalty for impeding, but for the rest of the race he – Look, he stayed out of trouble in a race that was full of trouble. So I think he kind of did what he had to do. He had far more experienced drivers struggling out there and he held it together. We didn't actually see much of him on track, but all in all, he kept it clean. 13th is really respectable, although nearly a quarter of the field did DNF. Um, But I think he did exactly what was expected of him this weekend, which is just try and stay out of trouble. Well, look, he finished ahead of Yuki Tsunoda. So in terms of the the person you can compare him against, you you can absolutely say it was a successful weekend. Now, of course, that is penalties and everything else going on around him. But look, the guy is uh, the youngest driver on the grid. Suddenly Oscar no longer. Uh, He did put some moves in, an absolute baptism by fire campy because this is a tough racetrack to do it in mixed conditions. 
There is conversations around where Yuki Tsunoda is potentially going for, for next year and if potentially Williams might really be interested in, in taking him and Albon and Yuki Tsunoda would be a really good lineup, I think, alongside each other. But what happens to this Red Bull Junior program really if Liam Lawson isn't picked up? Because whilst I don't think he's as good as Daniel Ricciardo, he hasn't had the opportunity to be as good as Daniel Ricciardo because he hasn't been in anything that he's done. And I think he, uh, Crofty wheeled out the stat that in seven races of his debut in a junior formula, he won all of those races. So the guy clearly has some talent. He is from this part of the world. And unfortunately, the last New Zealander who had an opportunity in this team, Brendan Hartley, it was a really bad time for, for him in that car. But in saying that, this has been a terrible car all year. But when Sonoda was like putting it to Hamilton and Norris around that sort of seventh, eighth, you know, fifth, sixth mark, that was quite impressive to watch. Yeah, Yuki's stepped up since Danny Rick's come back to the team, hasn't he? He's really put in some good performances and doing well. Lamb's, look, on debut in a, in a race like that to keep it clean, to finish 13th above your teammate, albeit probably by some uh, poor strategy decisions by by Alpha Terry. I mean, you cannot fault. You cannot fault the kid, cool, calm and collected. Uh, look, for me, what happens with the junior team? Uh, it's it's all – what happens to Perez? That's the big question. If they get rid of Perez, are they going to drop him, drop him back to Alpha Tauri? They'll clearly take Danny Rick for at least a couple of years, you know, in the twilight of his career and probably until 2026. Um <sighs> But what happens to Perez? Does he go somewhere else? Does someone else take him? Well, he's not going to Mercedes. He's probably not going to Ferrari because if they make a change, Lando Norris will take that spot. That means he's dropping back to another midfield team. Now, I think he'd look good at an Aston Martin, but he's been in that organisation before for years. Um, And do they drop Stroll? I doubt it. But he's not going to replace Fernando Alonso either. So... There's a big cork in what's going to happen in this driver lineup, and it's what happens to it's what happened to what happens to Perez at the end of the day. Ideally, for that Red Bull organisation, I think they have Max and Daniel in the top seat, and then Liam and Yuki in the in the in the Alpha Tauri. But what happens to Perez? I'm not sure. Yeah, well, interestingly enough, just to to sort of hover on this fire a little bit. Helmut Marco's language has changed a little around Sergio Perez and Daniel Ricciardo. After DR crashed out, uh, Marco said, you know, we honestly hope that Daniel's okay. We've been impressed with his pace. Uh, you know, Perez has a lot to, to prove for next year and, you know, things are always up in the air. Beforehand, it was Christian Horner saying, no, 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 our drivers, before the summer break, I should say, our drivers are Perez and Verstappen for next year. We know Helmut Marco loves going off script and he if he's decided something's going poorly he's saying he's often saying it to a media organization in a different language thinking that no one can translate that back to english for the rest of us but it's interesting isn't it because even with this this crash out it doesn't feel like it's a negative thing for daniel i think it feels like a negative thing for daniel his the last thing he said before he crashed to the media was i'm really excited to get momentum for the second half of the season and get some solid racing under my belt and then we'll see what happens for next year so i think it is a negative thing for daniel and it's while I think he will recover from it as best he can, as quickly as he can, he's out for two races, which then he means he only then has what eight left. Um, and one of those is Vegas doesn't count. And it's <laughs> just, I, I don't think it's, I don't, th- I think it is a bad thing for Daniel. However, I do agree that the language has changed a little bit. And like you said, that's very typical, typical helmet, you know, Christian goes off and says one thing, which is 
what they've all agreed to say and then Helmut basically kind of says, yep, no worries, with his hands, his fingers crossed behind his back. <laughs> no, thank you. I'll say what I want, wherever I want. So, look, it's it's very up in the air, but I, I do agree, Campy. I think that what happens to Perez is a bit of a catalyst for everything else um, for, you know, the other seats that some of the, it's such a bizarre conversation to be having though, right, in that you've got these people who are under contract and we're just there going, yeah, no, that seat's still available. And it's, I just find that a fascinating concept in and of itself that we've got these contracts, but, you know, they can be torn up for approximately $18 million in some cases, which, in which case, what's the point? But then you do also have People like Signs, for example, who has said now he doesn't like going into the start of the season not knowing where he's racing the following year. So obviously his contract comes up at the end of 2024. He wants to know that he's going to be there for 2025 as well at a bare minimum. So um, that's why they do exist, I suppose. But at the same time, they've shown that it's it's worth so little. Yeah, silly season, I think, is not far away once we start making these kinds of, well, discoveries. What I would say also about Daniel is that it's very annoying that Monza is the race that he's missing because historically that's the only Alpha Tauri winning race and God, would that have been incredible for him to win that Grand Prix somehow. Let's keep going. Let's talk about Williams who both got into Q3 until they didn't. Uh, Sergeant crashing out, but he did put it in 10th. Albon in 4th. This is a team... Campy that he that is taking step by step sandbagging each position where they're at and absolutely impressing all over the place mainly because Alex Albon is just one of the best drivers on the grid at the moment everyone loves him everyone wants him conversations happening about where he's going to be and him saying he's happy where he is even though Williams is seventh with 15 points there is a lot of positive momentum in this team isn't there yeah look uh, kudos claps to that guy <laughs> putting on moves on Lewis Hamilton in a in the wet. The the guy, mate, the guy cannot do any wrong at the moment. He's had a questionable couple of years. Well, he lost his seat at Red Bull, and he should have won two races if it wasn't for Lewis Hamilton crashing him out of you know when he's take going for the lead in two of them. So, oh, mate, I'm stoked for the guy. He's clearly the nicest guy on the grid. And people are really beginning to fall in love with him, getting the results he's getting. James Vales came out this week and said he, he's he's good enough to be winning races and that should be his target. So, unfortunately, the car's not there for him, but he is outperforming that car at the moment. He's doing what I think George Russell did in that car as well, being calling him Mr. Saturday. I, 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 but I think the hype around Albon is bigger than what it was for George Russell at that time. So, if you were to compare the two, the two scenarios... He's had a shot in the top team, but I don't think he has much baggage from that. I don't think I don't think people remember that Red Bull dropped him for whatever reason. He clearly was promoted too early, but that was just the culture that was in Red Bull at the moment. He'll get another shot at a top team. I think he makes a jump to maybe a, an Aston or a, an Alpine before he makes a jump to the big team, but um, he is performing exceptionally well at the moment. I'm all about it. Well, look, Williams might become a big team. So there would be no reason to go to another team if you've built the car around you, know everything and where the progression is, I think. And I would absolutely love to see Williams fighting for podiums again. Freya, Logan Sargent felt pretty good probably about himself getting into Q3 and thinking maybe he's going to have a better half of this season after the summer break until he didn't. Yeah, that was so unfortunate. I, th- I think everyone was on the Williams hype train after they both got into to Q3. It was stoked for them, especially because Albon in particular 
um, was saying they didn't think it was going to be their weekend, didn't think it was going to suit their car terribly well um, and then was in in fourth and obviously for Sergeant, as soon as he went through, everyone was pretty stoked for him and then it just didn't last, didn't last long and then obviously in the race replicated that essentially, which was really unfortunate. It's just, and again, I really feel for the drivers who are in that position of really needing to prove something and he does need to prove something. He hasn't because he's getting so, you know, obviously outperformed every weekend by his teammate. He does have a lot to prove. And as much as he has said that he feels like it's getting better and he's getting closer every weekend, it's not necessarily translating into results in the way that it needs to. And so I think it's just challenging and you just really feel for drivers when you know that they they need to prove something and then something like that happens. And like I said, he wasn't the only one. There were there were multiple drivers struggling out there. Um, so I feel for him. I really hope that they have a good weekend in Monza. I really, really do. I think that Albon said afterwards um, he thought he was going to crash about seven times. He's like, there are so many nervous moments out there where I just had absolutely no grip. But having said that, he was like, that was the best the car has ever felt. I felt like I was cruising. I could. And when I needed to do something with the car, whether it was manage my tires or try and find grip or this, that and the other, I could, you know, felt quite um, kind of at one with the car and that, he, you know, he was stoked afterwards. And I like that. I like that he can also kind of say, yes, we pitted at the wrong times. Yes, we were like, you know, we, were, we pitted too late on both occasions, but I'm really proud of what we've achieved and the car felt excellent and and that's a good weekend for us. So I think you can see why he would be a great person uh, to have on your team. Let's talk about Mercedes now, Campy. They were all over the place. George Russell qualified in third, finished in the DNF position of 17th, somehow still classified, but it was a, pretty much a weekend to forget for this team. Yeah, Russell was pretty angry on the radio, wasn't he? He, he was shocked that, uh, you know, he's on track for a podium. What the hell happened? Well, mate, it was raining bloody heavily and you should have come <laughs> yeah. into the pit to get change your well, tyres. Formula One happened. <laughs> well, look, I, if you didn't pit on those first three laps, I, I'm staggered at the stupidity of why teams didn't pit them. They've been at this racetrack all weekend where they've had changing weather conditions and they know how quickly the, the track dries. They know how much rain's on it and what's falling. They should know these things. You've had the three days you've been there, it's all been the same conditions. So just put put intermediates on, on that first lap. And for George, it would have saved all his problems. He would have been up right near the front. I mean, look at Checo Perez came out with a 15-second lead or something. So uh, to take that gamble, just it was never going to pay off the way it worked out. So that's that's the problem with Mercedes. I think Hamilton, geez, he, geez that last fight that he had against, uh, who was it, in front of him at, in the last seven laps, I can't remember who it was, sorry. Unbelievable, that guy. In the wet, him, Alonso and Verstappen, they just look like better drivers in the wet. So they're on to a winner. Unfortunate for George in the sense that he went hard because of the the rain delay with 10 laps to go. His his strategy didn't quite play out the way he wanted to. He would have got, you know, he would have lost those three or four positions when he was in fifth. So, yeah, unfortunate weekend for Mercedes. They missed out on a lot because they didn't pit, really. But you can say that about most teams. So I think it was Carlos Sainz he was battling with. Yeah. Quite yeah, that's a lot right. yep. towards the end, but then also, you know, throughout the race. And that was great. Like he had some great battles with with science and others as well. What was interesting is that he Hamilton said that he felt that like the car was doing exceptionally 
well. He was like the pace was excellent, but he just, again, the, the pit stops just kind of kept putting them out behind, two cars behind where they needed to be and they didn't make the right decisions with strategy, stayed out way too long. But, again, he said that he felt that the car had what it needed to to be battling for first, second, third, um, if they had got their strategy right, which is always going to be the uh, the handbrake in those situations, right? Why not take the gamble if you're Lewis Hamilton starting in 11th or 12th or whatever it was when the rain started coming down? Why not come into the pit straight away? Just beggars belief why Mercedes are making decisions like that. I expect it from Ferrari and, you know, Aston Martins, but not not Mercedes. This is a team that won seven championships on the st- – like – you know, in a row, they should know and get these things right. Eight, they won eight championships eight, yeah. in a row. Constructors, even the yeah. twenty twenty one one. Constructors yep. don't count, Jim. It's always about the drivers. Jeez. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you tell that to Christian Order. Uh, we'll yeah. get back to uh, race review in just a moment, but I'd like to thank the sponsor for this episode, NordVPN. Now, all three of us use NordVPN. We know many of those in the Discord server use NordVPN too, and that's because it is the fastest VPN on the market. It's the easiest app to use if you're Freya Brolsma and you need to watch Formula One not in the Cayman Islands but somewhere in Australia or if you really want to watch some brilliant ABC show and there are quite a lot at the moment, you're not going to get that live in Cayman. You're going to have to get a VPN to watch it over here, Freya. I was trying to describe have you been paying attention to a bunch of Americans when I was over there for IndyCar and I was like, so basically, you get all these comedians in a room and then you have another comedian and they're kind of like the host Then they ask questions about news and then it's basically like wrong answers over and everyone's just staring at me saying, can you understand what she's saying? I don't really know. I was like, look, you all need to get your VPN on and watch this show. It's the funniest thing. Sophia Poller, oh my gosh, love you. Go to <laughs> nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive to get two-year plan plus four months free. Thank you to NordVPN for sponsoring this episode. Looking for a new career? Welcome to Do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAIC preparation and testing along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Take advantage of their November specials. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEWH HVACTrainingSC.com to inquire. All right, we're back. Let's go straight into Ferrari. Carlos <laughs> signs. Well, I mean, he did have a much better race than his teammate, and there was some interesting battles campy going on with the Alpine of Pierre Gasly. What, what happened to Leclerc this weekend? For Frederick Vasseur to put all of that, you know, all of the... <laughs> Whatever I said, eggs in one basket, that's what I meant to say, but I said pennies or something. <laughs> Penny. <laughs> oh. Pennies in his purse. Oh, jeez. Uh, look, Leclerc for me just does not, is not cutting it this year. We're seeing some gaping holes in not only his strategy, I think we've seen some gaping holes in his uh, in his attitude towards F1 at the moment, and he's not getting the results that he should be getting. If he's Ferrari's number one driver, he should be, consistently and beating Carlos every week. But Carlos, he's put up a fight the last few races. I'm, a, I'm Carlos's biggest fan. and I was, It was only, oh, what, I think three races ago that I was starting to question his ability. But, I mean, he's put it together the last two races and uh, 
Yeah, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what to say about that organisation. Surely, if you're surely you've been in your garage long enough, and when you see rain on TV, the first thing you do as uh, the pit stop crew <laughs> is get up and make sure that the wet weather tyres are ready to go. Now, I understand that there was some issues in their communication when Leclerc came into the pits and when he didn't. But if mate, these are smart, intelligent people, just. If it's rains, all right, first thing we do is all get up and make sure that the wet's are <laughs> ready to go. It's not rocket science. I do agree. I will also say, though, just for one minute in order to defend Leclerc, not that he deserves it necessarily, but he did say afterwards it was he owned he actually owned what happened there. I'm not saying the team shouldn't have been ready and anticipated it. I think that is true. Um, it was raining, like you said, but he did come out and say afterwards it was my call, it was very late before I was coming into the pit stop and I decided at that point I would lose less time even if the team aren't ready than I would by trying to do another lap on these tyres and potentially spinning out. So it was the lesser of two evils in that situation. So I appreciated the clarification for that because I did also jump on the Ferrari we can't do anything right bandwagon, <laughs> um, which I'm not saying is, is is yet to be proven wrong necessarily, but uh, I did appreciate that he came out and kind of explained what went on there and, and defended his team a bit too. The guy who was putting on the front left, he couldn't have walked across the front of that car and got into position any slower. It was like, gee, Charles, <laughs> this is a real inconvenience to me. I'm real shitty at you. <laughs> bit of hustle, mate. If you could just right. do a couple more laps. Bit of hustle <laughs> in a sport where... One second is a diabolical amount of time to lose. You've just taken an extra four to put a tyre on. Jeez. Walk, don't run, Campy. He was just listening Ugh. to his teachers at school and uh, especially oh, when he's carrying a tyre. That's what he had in his and mind. And be careful in the rain. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> don't run in the rain. Don't run. I bet you... I bet you he walks down the side of a pool as well. I bet you he's a very safety-conscious person. Yeah, absolutely. Science, on the other hand, was really fun to watch. He had some great battles with Gasly and Hamilton as well. And he actually had, like, overall, he actually had a pretty decent race. Like, I think he probably should have been um, a position higher, but he, like, he defended well, he made some good overtakes, and he did what he needed to do, really. Yeah, look, I think out of the, the pair, obviously, Carlos Sainz got the result, but it seemed like all weekend he was feeling a lot happier in that car. Qualified in six ahead of Charles, he qualified in ninth. Let's talk about McLaren now. Oscar Piastri, uh, really, uh, this mixed qualifying session in terms of conditions was difficult for him to predict. Um, in eighth, Norris in second. At one point, he was well within Lando's time. Um, finished the race in ninth, uh, Lando finishing in seventh. Freya, more generally, I think McLaren would have hoped to have been a little closer towards the front, uh, but all in all, considering the absolute mess, to have both of their cars relatively close together and to get a, a decent haul of points this weekend, they should be okay with. Yeah, I mean, look, as far as Piastri is concerned, he had like, he had to pit when he did because he had flat-spotted his tyre, had a lock-up and had a flat spot, so he had to come in. That was then obviously a massive just oh, are you kidding me with a safety car on the next lap because that yep. was just really unfortunate. Yep. But it doesn't doesn't really change anything because he had to pit on that lap anyway, so it doesn't really change the outcome. Then he got stuck down in 16th and for a bit, but what I would say is that when you find yourself in those positions, I think with the right headspace you go, right, now is my opportunity to show my racecraft, and he did. 
you know, he took down VB, then Leclerc, then K-Mag, then Joe. So I think as much as obviously you don't want to be out of position like that, I absolutely he would prefer not to have had to have worked that hard for the finish that he did have. It's also a, it's kind of an opportunity to go, right, I'm on and I'm now in hunting mode and I'm going to prove my race craft. And I think he did a really great job of that. Norris, I think, would not have been satisfied with his result at all. You know, he did a few undercuts later in the race and they worked, but he very much lost out early on, um, which made it difficult for the rest of the race. So I think overall they're not going to be satisfied with their outcome. But I also think there were some really positive moments. I don't think it's taken away from the momentum that they had coming into this. I think they still proved what they've got. Um, It's just, like I said, like with many situations, it doesn't necessarily result in the, the um, you know, on paper in the way that you want to. But they're both in the points, which messy weekend, that, that's not a bad result. I said in the Discord, I think Piastri is faster than Norris at the moment. And you saw that in qualifying. Consistently, Piastri was getting better times than Lando Norris. Unfortunately, he didn't nail his last lap. And Lando Norris is just, he is the, probably the epitome of consistency across all his times. But I think Oscar's starting to extract some genuine pace out of that car over one lap, which uh, which I think by the end of the season, Norris is going to be really frightened about how quick this guy is. Great to see him get his big boy pants on. That movie made on Bodass was unbelievable last night. Uh, the big dive bomb into four, I was stoked to see it. Chase. I'm fired up for Oscar Piastri. He's going to have a massive career in this sport. And it's good to see him up front. It was a shame, yes, about strategy. But once again, if McLaren got this right, they could have had Oscar in P1, possibly. Well, he would have been in front of uh in, would have been in front of Perez if they'd got the strategy right. And he that could have cemented his position in the race moving forward. And, you know, he could have got his got on for his first podium. So Ah, look, it's a shame for McLaren. you just got to get these things right. But anyway. Well, we know that they've got pace. And looking at the tracks for the rest of this season, I think it would be interesting to see what the – because I think, to to be honest, their main competition for the rest of this year will be Aston Martin, certainly if this is the pace that Fernando Alonso continues to show. Uh, Not Alpine, although let's talk about Alpine now, though. Gasly finally back on the podium – just the the best driver in Formula One prior. I would say so. Camping yep. to your camping. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> please. Seriously though, third. He had what a yeah, great race no, that he had, Freya. He had a he did. He had a great weekend. He had a very active weekend. Like he worked hard for that as well. I think that's a thing. That wasn't a just kind of cruised around and stayed out of trouble. He had to make back some time because he had the penalty. The five second penalty. Um, I think it was for speeding in the pit line, maybe. Um, but it was definitely a drive that is the type of drive that proves that he deserves a, a spot in Formula One for sure. And he had some great defending against signs many times. You know, this was a position that he really worked for. And obviously, then with with Checo's penalty as well, it put him not just in fourth but on the podium. So, and I was stoked for him, and I was stoked for how stoked he was as well. Like, I love when you see somebody either getting back to where they think they're going to be or should be or they get a result that they've been working for for ages. He's had such a tough start for the to the season, not all his fault, DNFs and the like, um, you know, Alpine on Alpine crimes and all sorts of things. Um, I'm stoked to see how happy he was because, like I said, there is a little bit of same old, same old going on in the sport and we needed a podium like this 
um, to lift all of our spirits and get excited about F1. Of course, he was happy. Him and Ocon are becoming irrelevant in this sport. That's how bad they've been driving this year. So for him to get a result like that, of course he's happy about it because he feels like it puts him back on the map. And it was a good drive. I'll give him that. Did well. Didn't really get the podium. Perez beat you. Oh, but he sped. Well, I agree with you, Campy, about Ocon. I feel like he is mm. slowly, he is the Simpsons meme of Homer slowly going into the hedge. He is fading away in terms of, I think, in relevance for Formula One's probably a bit too harsh a thing to say, but he's certainly in a no man's land in terms of why would another team sign him and why would Alpine sign him when other drivers, like potentially Perez, might come onto the market next year, Freya. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Like, you know, he had that, you know, ridiculously long 150-year contract or something like that. And I think when that <laughs> does come up, there will be he had he's had a lot of time to do a lot of a lot with that team. And I'm not sure he's been as high up as they would have expected. So I think, yeah, like you said, once once Perez is on the move. Um, we'll see what happens as to whether or not that seat is one that stays the same. I think I did feel him for for him a little bit today in that he was the only one who went on to full wets, which if they had, hadn't had red flagged the race would have been the right decision and I think he could have benefited from that massively. But then they obviously red flagged the race and he lost time, probably not that much, but he lost time for having made that decision. So that was something that was out of his control. So I think that was a little bit unfortunate. But at one point I'd kind of I had no notes for him and then I looked up and he was in six and I was like, what? <laughs> a, forgot you existed. B, how'd you get there? Um, and, uh, yeah, it's he's someone who is, like you said, he is kind of on the periphery when it comes to drivers at the moment. We'll see what he has for the rest of the year. I mean, he has got podiums mm. under his belt for, for Alpine and he is contracted to the end of 2024. So as we mentioned earlier, contracts are worth absolutely nothing these days. Campy, Aston Martin, Fernando Alonso, second ah. fastest lap driver of the day. What an absolute bloody superstar. King, king of Formula One, surely. Hands down the best driver we've ever seen on the grid ever in the history of the sport. I love him that much. I love seeing this That's guy on the podium. Yeah, great. Love it. Good. <laughs> He's my personal favourite. Uh, I think, no, I said before, I said watching Max, Fernando and Lewis last night, I just got the sense that they are just better drivers than everybody else, regardless of their position on track. They just looked like they were driving those cars faster than everybody else. And, uh, look, Aston Martin have dropped off considerably since the uh, since the start of the year. And I, I, I really – I'm stoked for Fernando because this is one of those races where he has to make his moves and do what he can do in these situations. Otherwise, he's just going to be drifting back for the rest of the year. His pace compared to his – teammate is astronomical uh, just get rid of Lance Stroll he's proved that he is not deserving of a full-time Formula One drive in any capacity he's had way too long in this sport but Fernando Alonso congratulations to you sir I thought last night if Red Bull's going to lose a race this is where Max makes a mistake and Fernando Alonso wins it and I wouldn't have been unhappy about it I would have been over the moon so yeah good on you mate good on you Keep driving until you're 50 as long as you're getting performances like that. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. I'm looking forward to Camby interviewing Fernando Alonso. Just a one-on-one -on -one chat with Fernando. It will be very quick because Campy will be too busy crying with happiness, I think. 
I'll give him some giving shit. Giving him his like gifting him his home <laughs> homemade crown. Look what I made uh, yeah. for you. It's, it's made King out of tin foil. Um, Fernando is third again in the drivers' championship. 168 points. Um, Aston Martin in third again in the constructors' championship. 215 points. So they it all counts. Uh, but you, you cannot ignore the fact that Lance Stroll is absolutely weighing the crap out of this team down. Someone created some kind of rumour that he was off to play tennis. Let's, perp- perp- <laughs> let's try- perpetrate that. Perpetuate that. Perpetuate Come on, James. It. Manifest Let's that. do That's that because just yeah. go away. Who cares what sport you do, mate? Just go and do something else because this is just no good for this team that deserves so much more. Similarly to the Ocon, no notes Ocon, I had no notes Stroll. And this is around lap 20. I looked down. I was like, where is he? Oh, in 19th while your teammate is in third. What What is going on here? Um, just so I have a bit of a, I was thinking today actually I was watching this race looking at Aston Martin. So this is a situation that we've seen with Aston Martin, with Haas and with Williams where we make assumptions about the car and how fast it is and what you can do in that car. Then you bring in a new teammate who is better than the previous two, and we see another level of performance. And you go, oh, wait a second, maybe this isn't a mid-pack car. Maybe this is a battling for podiums car. Um, And then, you know, like I said, you see it with Williams. When Albon came in and he started outperforming in that, we saw it in Haas when Hulkenberg came in. And I think it's really interesting when we start seeing drivers move around the grid is that we start understanding what what that differential is between drivers and the car like it's it's incredible and I think this team is such a prime example of that and I I'd always think that Stroll is going to have a hard battle on his hands in that he's always going to have a chip on his shoulder and something to prove because he's a pay driver I think you can shift that very quickly if you perform and the challenge with Alonso coming in and the gap between those two drivers, it's very hard to look away now. Yeah, it's just, it is night and day and they are, it's costing the team money having him there because they are, well, they should be second. They're not. Mercedes are second. It's ridiculous. Come on, Aston Martin, lift, make the decision, get everyone on the bandwagon behind you because everyone loves Fernando Alonso and wants to love the team. But it's just really hard to understand what you guys are doing when that is the decision that con- continues. I get that it's Daddy's team, but seriously, for the love of the sport, can we please put someone else in there? Just really quickly, also, did you? I'm not sure if you've listened to, or if you haven't, maybe do um, the interview with Fernando Alonso on no. the High Performance Podcast. One, two. That's really interesting because I think there's there's a couple of things that I took away from it. Was one was his humility where he said, you know, as long as you stay close to your family who have known you from the start, who, you know, and he didn't come from this motorsport royalty lineage, um, for him that's been really important. He said as soon as your head starts getting too big, they bring you back down. Um, But also listening him to describe his approach to racing and how racing is the execution of a plan and that type of thing is really fascinating. So if you want to learn more about elite performance in sport, I think if you've done anything with sport and elite performance, a lot of it doesn't come as that much of a surprise in that a lot of racing sports games or whatever is just the the way you think about it is just now I have my job to do, which is to execute this plan and you're doing your best to try and take the emotion out of it and use it positively when you do have, um, you know, the high pressure situations. But that's a really great listen. Um, And he doesn't do that many really long form interviews Mm. like that. Um, So worth making a cuppa 
and uh, listening to the king. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that's uh, very much looking forward to being able to do that. Campy, Red Bull, Max Verstappen, nine wins in a row, due probably for the 10th. I mean, it's for, probably for the rest of the season, let's be honest. But no one can stop this guy. The The team is just absolutely on fire. Sergio Perez getting absolutely no preferential treatment whatsoever um, with Undercut's entire strategy. Everyone sounded surprised on the broadcast. Not sure why. It didn't matter. Perez, when he came out, he had a 15-second lead. Anyone with a 15-second lead over your teammate over a race distance should be able to manage that 15 seconds in order to, to win a Grand Prix. You know what? Within five laps, Max had it down to two seconds and the team was like, that is astronomical. He was three and a half seconds quicker than his teammate on the same track in testing condition. This, this, he is, he was a god last night. I said he'll be in front by lap 12 and lap 11, the team pitted him and he was back in front. It was absolutely (laughs) astonishing to see him drive that way. But this is the sort of thing that Max needs sometimes to just pick himself up. He knew he was behind his teammate. He's like, right, let's just see how quickly this this lead evaporates. And, uh, yeah, great to see Max. Uh, he's probably going undefeated for the rest of the year because he's that good and his car's that good. So, yeah, what more do you say about him? Perez, well, getting back to the helmet, Marco comments, when things change in F1, this is how they change. Someone in the team says something that they shouldn't, then they wait to see the 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 fans and the pundits like us start circulating rumours and having long-form conversations about <laughs> it. They will then to understand and gauge some, you know, some public discourse on such topics. Then they'll start to make, you know, then there will be some internal memos come out of the team. And then he ultimately loses his job. So I never, I never thought I'd hear Campy explain how communications uh, works. <laughs> well, it's not communications, Jim. Okay, great. Uh, Freya, you're on the passport. <laughs> no, I don't want to know. That's it. In the next episode, we'll find out. Um, coming up after the break, the your other passport must be exceptionally happy. I mean, it, it is. It was just. Just an astonishing weekend from Campy's right about the flags with the um, on the broadcast. Watching that, the national anthem, Andre Rio, the uh, the national anthem being sung at the end. Max just dominating, speaking in Dutch to the crowd. It all it all just made a lot of sense for this to be his, you know, the, the record equaling win. That weekend for Max is the dream for an athlete. You know, it's home crowd win, amazing race some sort of, you know, to have a record there as well. You think about it in other sports where it would, would have been getting an Australian record, getting a world record or whatever it might be. Um, that is the dream, winning in front of the home crowd like that and with the other kind of the cherry on top when it comes to the the race, um, the consecutive win equalised with, with Seb. It's it's incredible. My passport is heavy with the, <laughs> you know, one and only weekend of attention that my dad gives to, to Formula One. But it's, um, it's I, I hope that he wins every single race this year. And I'm not just saying that because of <laughs> my background, but uh, because it would be astonishing. Like you said, Campy, this is tremendous to be watching. It's incredible. And I hope that it continues. And I think 
rather than, okay, it won't be remembered as the season that kept us all on the edge of our seats as to who was going to win the championship, but will be the season that we saw somebody so dominant that he was, you know, a minute ahead of, of, you know, backmarkers and that he had just such a completely overwhelming command of the sport, which is in and of itself amazing to see. Campy, let's finish up with our driver of the day. Who is your driver of the day? Oh, Fernando Aldo. I think all three of us choosing Fernando. Yeah, I'm going with Nando partially because I, I wouldn't necessarily go Fernando, Fernando but um, that pit stop that he had on lap 49, I thought he was going to lose it. And I was like, no, devastating. And so because he actually had to, again, he had to work for it. So, oh, maybe I should have gone for Gasly because he is the best Formula One driver. Mm, that is true. You can change. Would you like to say Pierre Gasly? I'm going to go for Gasly. Yes, I'm going to go for Pierre Gasly. Driver of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it just. interesting. <laughs> you lose all credibility when you say stupid shit like that. <laughs> I never had any to begin with. What are you talking about? <laughs> you had some with me, for Some. <laughs> Fantasy. 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 It's time for our fantasy team name competition. Uh, the Dutch Grand Prix first was going Grimace, 427 points. You three times Max Verstappen. That was clever. You had Piastri, two times signs, Norris, Sonoda, and your team were Red Bull Racing and Aston Martin. Very, very good. Second was Jetta instead of a better. Uh, 416 <laughs> points. And third was Beached as Bro, 413 points. Uh, if you want to be part of our fantasy team name competition, you can find all of the links either on our website or in the show notes wherever you're listening. Here are very many names. Uh, I cannot tell you how much I enjoy going through this. Like when you change, and there's some names, by the way, where I'm not reading out loud, and there's two names of the same, the same name. I'm not reading it out. Very clever, but no. <laughs> like this podcast has some level of standards. Do it. Um, here we go. No. Two Aussies, <laughs> one wall. A Bricado's kind of back. Strooper, Strooper Max. 59 shades of orange. Um, Team Heilman, which is a fantastic mayonnaise. Danny Rick's crosshairs. Nico 80's Villenberg. <laughs> Very good. Alpha <laughs> Nomori. Spar me the details, which I missed from our last good, race before good, the summer very break. Good. Very good. The Waffle-Ons. DR Bias back in town. Yes, even with a broken wrist. That's Happily. for sure. Um, this is for you, Freya. Daniel Ricciardo. Yes, oh, get the recharging Sorry. going. Nah, the, the, Gold the member, list. VIP. Shoey's at my place and beware Spanish Inquisition, who's been around for a while, but I feel like bringing that back because, yes, Fernando Alonso. Uh, if you want to be part <laughs> of that, you can win some merch for our favourite team name at the end of the year. It doesn't matter where you come. You can, just, you can join it right now if you're not already part of it. Let's finish up this episode. And it's been great. What a what a fantastic episode this has been. I've really, really enjoyed this. Thank you so much to you both. Uh, let's start with predictions, though, because Monza is this weekend. We're going straight there, straight to Italy. We're going to do what predictions. I know you're not ready, but I'm, so I'm, I'm <laughs> feeling a little bit to give you some time to think. Front, we're going to do front row. We're going to do podium and 10th position again. Campy, we'll start with you to give Freya some time to think. <laughs> Who is your front row? The front row is Max and Albon. Oh, oh, this is great. I love it. Podium. Max, Albon, and now I'm going to go Max, 
Lewis Albon. Okay. And 10th? Oh, who cares? Danny Rick's not in, so Yuki. <laughs> okay, great. Good. Freya, <laughs> let's go. Okay. Uh, okay, front row is going to be Piastri and Albon. Oh, Okay. Oh, nice. okay, this is the dream happening if now. If I say it, it <laughs> might come true. Manifest. Um, yeah, we're working. That's the word of the week. Um, podium, Max, because I do actually want him to win every single race this season. Alonso, he's getting settled in second. And Albon, I, I just desperately want him on a podium. Mm. Tenth. Who's someone who I always forget? Ocon. Okay. <laughs> we did finish in 10th this weekend, so there you go. Yeah. Well, my predictions for the front row are Oscar Piastri and Alex Albon. That's first and second because Australians very good, very in good. McLarens, in Monza, all handshake agreements. Uh, mm. The podium, however, will be, I believe, Max Verstappen, uh, Oscar Piastri. Oh, I'd love to say Alex. I'm going to say Alex Albon too, bugger it. Alex Albon the third. Uh, and 10th is going to be Liam Lawson because he's going to have a great race. He's going to get a point and he's going to outscore Yuki Tsunoda. And and that is how incorrect we are as a podcast in just preempting <laughs> our episode next week. I look forward to <laughs> testing how wrong we're going to be. Well, that's only in a week's time. Thank you so much for listening. Campy, have you got an outro for us written as no, brilliantly as your no. intro? No. Okay. Well, I'll do one off the top of my head then. A massive thank you to listen, for listening to this episode of the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. If you would like to listen ad-free, you can do that via our Patreon. You can go to the show notes or just search Lakeside Drive F1 podcast in Patreon to skip all of the ads. Uh, if you want to support the show financially, you can by either doing that on Patreon or you can buy some merchandise like some legends have done this week already. Or if you want to just get involved in the community, do that for free right now by joining our Discord server. A massive thank you to everyone who is so active on that. It is such a brilliant place to be. You can also leave us a rating or review wherever you're listening. Uh, And if you're watching us on YouTube, please consider subscribing to the show. Huge week coming up of more Formula One going straight into Monza, the Italian Grand Prix. The Tifosi will be angry already at Ferrari, let alone (laughs) seeing what they can actually do on race day. So that'll be interesting. Uh, But it's all to come. Our next episode, next this time next Monday. So make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening. Thank you so much for listening and watching. See you very, very soon. We'll just start it straight up, okay? Sounds good. Oh, you don't want me to do my intro. <laughs> you want to do it live? Okay. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> just give live me a second. <laughs> Three, <laughs> two, one. Action. Well, hello and welcome to Lakeside Drive. Sports Social Podcast Network.